0: Ah, and we are la- Welcome back to Takes by Fans. we got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to takesbyfans.com slash watch. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. All righty today's a big all Monday, folks. Man, oh man. Super wild card weekend did not disappoint, folks. Man, oh man. We had some magnificent performances. We had some controversial calls. Uh, kind of two of them. And we had some last minute down to the wire. Oh my goodness. They didn't even get a final play off games, folks. So we didn't have a show yesterday. So We could bring you all the Super Wild Card action in one complete show on one complete day. Well, I guess not a totally complete because there's still one more game to be played because it's Super Wild Card Weekend. It's not just Wild Card Weekend, folks. It's Super. And what makes it super is we've got a game tonight, folks And this game, it may be the best one of them all Because, you know, for the most part, there were a lot of blowouts from this weekend that, you know, really nobody saw coming Everybody just kind of expected it including us, to be really all competitive because usually wildcard games are competitive. We went back to 2018 breaking down, hey, usually these games are competitive. Even Colin Coward did that on his show. He was like, hey, you know, probably take the points here because, you know, the last couple of years they've all been close. So we were, you know, thinking like Colin, like, hey, these games are going to be close. But for the most part, most of them were a little blowout-ish. One was expected. We all knew that one was coming. But, uh, you know, the other two, not so much. So, tons to break down. Tons to go over. And, folks, 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 I already know who the Super Bowl champion is going to be, folks. Watching all the games last night, there's one team that stood out of the rest. And, man, oh, man, folks, this team, I'm guaranteeing it now, folks. We're going to see what the odds to win the Super Bowl are right now. And we're going to bet it. When we get to the segment, but as of, you know, right now, folks, I am so confident that we already know who the Super Bowl champions are going to be. The most impressive performance of the weekend, folks. We'll tell you which team that is. So breaking down all the games from wildcard weekend and then we will also spend a little decent amount of time breaking down tonight's matchup and see what should we do should we take the point should we swallow points what is even the line at right now did it go up is it going down are people taking value what did we learn from Super Wild Card Weekend Saturday and Sunday games that we can use to bet on today's Super Wild Card Weekend finale game Cardinals at the Rams so we'll discuss that game a little bit break it down in and see, taking what we learned from the weekend, can we win the bet tonight? That's what we're going to be playing. So <clears throat> we've got all that to do on the show. But uh, let's uh, start here with the NBA, and I think we're at the point of, you know, the end of the NFL season where we can really stop the clock. We don't need a clock restraint anymore, I don't think, for our NBA Daily 10s. So NBA Daily 10s now, no clock restraint. We'll spend 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 minutes all on basketball. Now, you think we care, folks? We'll, we'll squeeze in the NFL, but... We're spending as much time as we need to on the NBA from pretty much now on. From pretty much now um, on until we get, like, a big segment that we need a lot of time set away for, and then we'll set the clock. But... We're going clockless, folks. Clockless NBA Daily Tens. You got to love it. So here we go. No time on the clock here. Let's just start free reigning it over here. So here we go. The NBA from last night, folks. Only four games on last night because everybody was still focused on Super Wildcard Weekend. So here we go. First game up. Suns at the Pistons, and the Suns blow them out like they should. The Suns get to win 135 108 over the Pistons. Uh, no problem here for the Suns real easy peasy win like we know because it is the Pistons folks We know this team is not good. So the Suns Chris Paul ten points six assists six rebounds solid performance Devin Booker with a nice 30 Points not efficient from the three only one of five. He did shoot 61% from the field We'll give him that 30 points is exactly what we need from Devin Booker Absolutely love it Four assists, four rebounds to go along with that DeAndre Ayton only playing the five, but a little tweaked last night. Only played seven minutes, hoping nothing big serious. They just got this man back, and we still need him out there. Damn, damn, damn. So, prayers up for DeAndre and Hopefully, it's nothing too bad. We get Jay Crowder, nine points, 11 rebounds, and then McCall Bridges, 10 big old points, four assists, three rebounds. Coming off the bench, JaVale McGee getting it done. DeAndre and goes down. JaVale McGee has to take up some of that kind of, you know, minutes on the floor. So, in 15 minutes last night, coming off the bench, 20.6 rebounds. Yes, yes, yes. JaVale McGee, folks, he's been so reliable. We just, we just don't know his longevity. That's that's going to come to question into some of these teams. Now that we had towards the back end of the season, we're still, you know, in the middle part, heading towards the back end of the season, JaVale McGee for the Suns, Jam- uh, Lamarcus Aldridge for the Nets, these bigs, they've been so fantastic, great pieces here for their respective teams, but we know they are kind of aging out of this league. You know, any season really could be their last. So how long are they going to be able to give them this season? valid production. Uh, greatly consistently, and do they make any trades, any moves at the trade deadline to kind of beef up their bigs a little bit more, knowing that JaVale McGee Lamarcus Aldridge may not be giving us great production when we're heading into the playoffs? And for the Nets and the Suns, you know, they don't really care about the regular season. They're they're dreaming of bigger things than regular season victories. They're looking towards those championship games, getting to the finals, So they're gonna need the big help. For the long haul here. So, very well uh, very well done by JaVale McGee last night. But how long can it go? Uh, he shot 90% on 10 shots. Absolutely fantastic. And then we had Cameron Payne coming off the bench. 20 big old points. Uh, 5 assists. 5 rebounds. Magnificent. And then Landry or, Uh Or, yeah, Landry Shamet, 11 points. 5 assists coming off the bench as well. Solid production by those three scores. So, the Suns, everybody was getting it done. You gotta love it. And then for the Pistons last night, still... No Jeremy Grant He's still out here So Sadiq Bey Kind of you know Their big name Kate Cunningham Their big name Sadiq Bey Only 8 points On 33% shooting Nothing great Kate Cunningham Though 21 points Co-led the team In points Alongside Corey Joseph Who also scored 21 points 7 assists Coming off the bench But Kate Cunningham Really solid work And we've been seeing a lot of consistency here with the young gun, Cade Cunningham, but we know there's just no superstars on this Pistons team. Also, shout out Trey Lyles coming off the bench, 18 big old points, but once again, their starters do absolutely nothing consistently here, and that's why you can always, for the most part, bet against the Pistons. The Suns get the big old win, 135-108. to All right, next game up here is the Rockets at the Kings. And I believe uh, you know, they've been, you know, facing each other decently. I think this is a back-to-back series for them. But the Rockets get the win this time. They win 118-112 on the road over the Kings. So shout out to the Rockets getting it done. Christian Wood, 23 points, 14 rebounds, fantastic. Kevin Porter Jr. 23 points as well. Seven assists, four rebounds. Magnificent. And then Jalen Green with a solid 15 points, four assists, five rebounds. And Eric Gordon as With 15 points as well and 7 rebounds as well. Coming off the bench, we get Garrison Matthews with a big old 17 points. And they win. They win the game because Daniel Tice does not touch the floor. Fantastic. Well done by the Rockets. And then for the Kings last night, De'Aaron Fox, only 14 points. A little, you know, lackluster by him overall. He had 4 assists and 3 rebounds. We had Terrence Davis, 17 points. Chimise Metu, 14 points, 7 rebounds. Raquan Holmes kind of floundering at the big. Only four points, no rebounds, no assists in 15 minutes coming off the bench, our man Buddy Heald led the team in scoring, coming off the bench, 27 giant points, 5 of 9 from the 3, so, God, you know, we know he loves the 3, that's his game right there, and then once again, using Buddy Heald coming off the bench, trade deadline coming up, Kings, they don't really, they they seem like they don't want Buddy Heald on this team, you know, he should be the starter, no doubt, but he's always coming off the bench, so we'll see what this Kings team does at the trade deadline, we knew kind of, you know, in the preseason, the offseason in the NBA, that the Lakers were kind of potentially targeting Buddy Heald, and then the deal just never got done. We'll see if they can kind of, you know, re-bring up those talks. We know LeBron is trying to do something for the Lakers. They need to do something uh, just overall personnel-wise on that Lakers team to do something so they could be good offensively and have another piece besides LeBron James and uh, injury-prone Anthony Davis said he's not reliable reliable on the floor at all here. So uh, Kings, man, I don't, you know, Buddy Heald, he's a great player, good defender, great three-point shooter, all that. But he's still coming off the bench, and we've seen that for the entire year. He's only started, like, Maybe one or two games when they just needed some bodies on the floor because of COVID or injuries or whatever the case. So just real interesting here with Buddy Heald. And then, you know, with Davian Mitchell having uh, De'Aaron Fox and Davian Mitchell, really not the smartest thing. They're both ball-dominant point guards. So once again, what are they doing with that? Davian Mitchell still coming off the bench here. 16 points. He did have seven assists, very well done, four rebounds, one of his better games that he's had. He's been getting better consistently as the season's progress, and that's what we expect from rookie players. We don't expect the Kings to trade De'Aaron Fox or Davian Mitchell this season, but we'll see what they do going forward, moving forward on these two good, very good guards. Uh, De'Aaron Fox proven, Davian Mitchell coming up. Um, So the Kings, they kept a competitive close game overall, but the Rockets pull away 118-112 with the win. Alrighty, next game up here, Warriors at the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves get a nice huge win here. 119.99, a nice 20-point win here for the Timberwolves. For the Warriors, no Steph Curry last night. Still no Draymond Green. And that's a big old recipe for disaster. Truly. We love Klay Thompson. Don't get us wrong, but you know, he him still being on minutes restrictions. You know, he's not the main leader here. And you know, even when they're both on the floor together, and once again, this is no disrespect to Klay Thompson. Thompson at all, at all, we've got nothing but big praise by the man. But when we're just looking at kind of, you know, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, who do we want? You know, we, we're always going to take Steph over Clay, And I think that's the general consensus. I think Clay Thompson knows that as well. And that's not a knock. They're both very, very good. But Steph Curry is, you know, the ball handler. Clay Thompson is not a ball handler. We know that by him scoring like 17 or like 23, 27 points with like three dribbles. Some Crazy thing. Um, so obviously, you know, Clay Thompson's not the guy. He's the two. He's not the one, like we know. Either way, we digress. So that was, you know, for their lackluster, only putting up 99 points, losing to the Timberwolves last night. That's why. No Steph Curry. So here we go. Jordan Poole playing the one. Big time stepping in here. Got got knocked down back to the bench here when Klay Thompson was kind of coming back here. But Jordan Poole back in the starting lineup because Steph Curry's out. So Jordan Poole at the one, 20 points, led the team in scoring. He had three assists, four rebounds, three of seven from the three. Solid night by Jordan Poole, but not that kind of above and beyond effort that Steph Curry truly provides, but overall a solid performance by Jordan Poole last night. We had Klay Thompson still on minutes restrictions, only playing 22 minutes. It's increasing, but still on the minutes restriction. Only expect him about 20 to 22 minutes a night. Klay Thompson, 13 points on 3 of 8 from the 3. We had Otto Porter Jr. at the 4, filling in for Draymond Green, 12 points, 9 rebounds. Kevon Looney still at the 5 here, 4 points, 12 rebounds. And then Andrew Wiggins, we definitely needed him to step up big time and a little bit of a flounder job by him so a little disappointed in Andrew Wiggins and we don't really find ourselves saying that too much that we're disappointed in an Andrew Wiggins performance but definitely we know Steph Curry we need him to step it up big time and he just did it 12 points 36% shooting a minus nine on the floor come on got to do a little bit better than that so a little disappointed in our man Wiggins last night and then after, uh, off the bench here, we had Jonathan Kaminga, another really solid game, 19.7 rebounds coming off the bench, but that was really all for the Warriors last night. Now, the big three of the Timberwolves last night, Anthony Edwards didn't get it done, nine points on only eight shots, that's real bizarre from Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns did his thing, 26 points, 11 rebounds, D'Angelo Russell only seven points on 22% shooting, a little wild last night, he did have 12 assists, so that's good, but where did the offensive production really come I'm from. Well, it came from, really, the bench. Malik Beasley, 16 points. Jaden McDaniels, 9 points. Ned Vries, 9 points. 9 rebounds coming off the bench. Jalen Noel, 17 huge points coming off the bench. So, the Timberwolves got it done with, you know, the big three not really contributing that well towards the scoring. And we know the Timberwolves win because Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and D'Angelo Russell all put up, like, 25-plus points on a nightly basis when they're out there on the floor. So, another even... A little bit of a worse loss here for the Warriors on how they lost to this Timberwolves team, but shout out to the Timberwolves for all their other role players coming in. We need them to step it up more consistently here so the Timberwolves can take that next step of beating the better teams. Uh, Yes, they beat the Warriors, who are a better team, but like we said, no Draymond Green, no Steph Curry. It's not that quality of a win. So, Well done for the Timberwolves. Let's see if they can keep it up here. And, uh, you know, let's see if they can continue to win some games here without their big three doing it all. So, the Timberwolves get the win here, 119-99. And then the last game of the night, the Jazz at the Nuggets. Jazz get the win, 125-102 over the Nuggets here. Once again, not surprising. Nuggets are nothing great. We all know this, folks. And then for the Jazz, pretty much at full strength, we get Rudy Gobert back. Love to see that. So, Mike Connolly, 8 points, 6 assists. Donovan Mitchell, 31 points. Magnificent, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Rudy Gobert, 18 points, 19 rebounds. Seven for seven from the field, folks. That's a hundred percent. He was a plus thirty-six on the floor. Yes, yes, yes. Bohan Bogdanovich, twenty-one points. Love seeing that man back in twenty-plus points on a nightly basis. And then Royce O'Neal to round out the starters, eleven bagel points. And then, what do we love about this Jazz team? They're Depth, their bench. Jordan Clarkson, classic Jordan Clarkson, 16 points, six rebounds, fantastic. And then we had Eric Paschal coming off the bench as well, 10 big old points. So Rudy Gay, seven points on seven shots. Joe Ingalls, three points on five shots. A little lackluster by them, but we know that they do have both of those great players in their back pocket that they can pull out at any time to be like, hey, we need some points. Rudy Gay, Joe Ingles hey, go get it done. So Jazz are deep still, we know. And then for the Nuggets. Jokic, 25 points, 14 assists, 15 rebounds. Absolutely monstrous triple-double by the reigning MVP. Start respecting Jokic a little bit more, folks. It's unfortunate for Jokic this season because of all the injuries to this Nuggets team and their lackluster scoring production without those great scoring players. But man, oh man, this man is still trying to do everything in his power alone to single-handedly win these games. 25 points. Led the team in scoring, 14 assists, led his team in assists, 15 rebounds, led his team in rebounding, 55% shooting last night, that was the highest, 40% from the three, second highest, but overall, this man is dominant, we know this, so shout out to Joe Kick, deserves so much credit, just unfortunate this season. And then Aaron Gordon, once again, he did have 20 points, so shout out to that. We need this match to step up the scoring, but once again, they still lose the game. They just lost the game the other night where Aaron Gordon had another great scoring night. They lose that game. He puts up 20 points here. They still lose this game. Once again, no bet ability, no buyability, believability on this Nuggets team. It's super unfortunate, but that's where we are with them. Um, so Aaron Gordon, 20 points on 15 shots. He had 6 assists and 7 rebounds to go along with that. But overall, it means nothing. Will Barton, a nice 16 points for the starters. Monte Morris, 13 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. But he did shoot 1 of 8 from the 3. And then we had uh, Bones Highland coming off the bench, 13 points on 3 of 10 from the 3. But overall, the Nuggets, they need more sca- uh, depth at the scoring. And they just don't have that. So well done for the Jazz to get the win, 125-102. to 102 alrighty that was all the NBA from last night now let's quickly see if we can make a little bit of money here in the NBA we haven't talked about betting NBA in the last like two days because we've been solely focusing in on those NBA or NFL wild card games so let's see we ended um, on two for two going back to back five of five over two nights in the NBA let's see if we can pick up exactly where we left off folks we're looking to pick up exactly where we left off so here we go Uh, tons of games on tonight so tons of value to go over and assess and find out which one is better than the other so here we go folks let's see if we can pick up where we left off here we go first game up Pelicans at the Celtics. Pelicans plus four, Celtics minus four. All righty, let's see the injuries. Everybody's good to go for the Pelicans. Where the Celtics, Marcus Smart is out. Robert Williams is out. And I, yeah, so um, a big out, Marcus Smart out. We get Valanchunas down low. This is going to be the perfect game for the Pelicans to absolutely dominate down low. Brandon Ingram's good to go. Valanchunas this is good to go. So I'm going to take the Pelicans with the points here, folks. This is the time for the Pelicans to start making a push. Making themselves known as, hey, we are the real deal. And we are ready to start competing to get into the playoffs. This Pelicans team currently the 13th seed in the Western Conference. They need about, well, they're in great position, honestly, to try and get that 10th seed. All you need is to get into the top 10 to have a chance to get in the playoffs. So this Pelicans team is really only two games back from getting that 10th seed and knocking out the Blazers. So this Pelicans team, they must start making their run and putting the league on notice. And this is a decent game to kind of start Celtics a half a game out. If they win Win this game, they're gonna be the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference, so a ton on the line here. Two teams trying to prove that they are the real deal in the beginning of the season was a little bit of a fluke, and that they can get it done. So, should be a good game tonight. I'll take the four points with the Pelicans. This Celtics team, they're bigs, so it's gonna be a tough night for them. I don't know if they can overcome. We know they got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, the fantastic duo, but besides that, that's really all they got Marcus Smart out, one of their facilitator so pelicans plus four we're gonna take that the points tonight folks Alrighty, off to a hot start let's see if we can keep it going here we go next game up hornets at the knicks hornets plus two knicks minus two Alrighty, this hornets team just lost to the magic the other night that was a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth for this hornets team but over the other than that Salad team overall. So here we go. The Hornets. Kelly Oubre Jr. is out in LaMella Balls. A game time decision. Ooh, that's big time bad. Kelly Oubre Jr. is their only scorer off the bench consistently. And LaMella Ball, he's a scorer, facilitator, all of that. And then for the Knicks, Derek Rose out. Kemba Walker out. Nerland's Null is out. Cam Reddish not quite ready to make his Knicks debut. And that's going to be big time exciting. How much does Cam Reddish change this Knicks team? They need some more, you know. The kind of scores, he can play a guard, he can play a forward position, so we'll see how this Knicks team handles him. Does not seem like he's good to go to make his game time, um, his Knicks debut here we'll stay away from this one nothing great on the line here plus two minus two no good value either way in this Knicks team once again without all their guards you know Derek Rose Kemba Walker they're gonna have to rely on four and and we know he's only good when he faces the Celtics and you know that uh, Hornets team is unfortunately not the Celtics so we'll stay away from this game overall Alright, then we get the 76ers and the Wizards. 76ers at the Wizards. 76ers minus 3. Wizards plus 3. Alrighty, this 76ers team folks, we know they're back. 9-1 in their last 10. Dominating wins. Some nice blowout wins. All of that's fantastic. This Wizards team, once again, we still don't really know. Are they good? Are they bad? We saw Kyle Kuzma with a nice little 4-5 game. Good stretch, but can he keep it up here? 5-5 five and five in the last 10. Still little bit of two up and down here so for the 76ers Danny Green is out and Matisse Thibuil is also out but we still got Tyrese Maxey folks um and then for the Wizards just Bradley Beal being a game time decision here I'm just not ready. Uh, let me make sure this isn't a back-to-back series game, right? Correct. All righty. So we are going to take the 76ers minus three. You know, we know they can dominate teams in this Wizards team. We still don't believe our true contenders in this league, folks. So 76ers, a dominant team. They're good. They're back. Their bigs are good. They've got the squad. They've got the depth there. Only have to swallow the three. We're loving it. 76ers minus three. All righty. Found some great value. And we're only four games in, folks. We still got like eight to go. So, we can move this up a little bit more quickly here, but let's uh, see if we can keep building on this fantastic value tonight, folks. Here we go. Next game up here: Nets at the Cavs. Nets plus three, Cavs minus three. Love that. Ooh, Cavs the favorite. Some respect. Ooh. Um, now we do know that Kevin Durant is going to be out for a while. A little bit of a knee tweak, nothing too serious, but they're going to be a little cautious and rest them. So here we go for the Nets. Kevin Durant out to LaMarcus Aldridge. Just. Talked about him a little bit earlier. Game time decision. Paul Millsap out. Joe Harris out. Nicholas Claxton a game time decision. But Nets on the road. So Kyrie Irving's good to go. James Harding's good to go. And then for the Cavs, Rondo is still out. And uh, Lamar Stevenson's a game time decision. So we love this Cavs team. This is going to be a big test for them. Yes, no Kevin Durant. So, you know, the Nets overall offense is going to be a little lackluster. So uh, this is going to be a true test for the Cavs. We'll stay away from betting this one just because we've got other great stuff already to work with, and we'll see if this Cavs team is truly the real deal here. This is going to be a big test for them. We hope they pass. We love this Cavs team, folks. Jared Allen, uh, Darius Garland's been on an absolute tear. Really want to see this Cavs team get the win, but we'll stay away from betting it. All right, next game up here, Bulls at the Grizzlies, and we are so over betting this Bulls team, especially with uh, Zach Levine, all of that out and all that, so Bulls are kind of frauds, they're kind of in our no-bet zone for a while, folks. This is going to be a no-bet zone for the Bulls for a long time, so it's unfortunate if you're a Bulls fan, love betting on the Bulls, their betability has gone from almost about like 95% all the way down to zero. No more betability on this Bulls team for a big old while, Bulls at the Grizzlies, Bulls plus eight. Grizzlies minus eight here. For the Bulls, Javante Green out. Ellis Caruso out. Zach Levine out. Derrick Jones Jr. out. Alonzo Ball out. But that means we get to see Kobe White. So I guess there's some silver linings here. For the Grizzlies, we get Dylan Brooks out. And that's it. So the Grizzlies are going to be at full strength here. We love this Grizzlies. Don't get us wrong here, but when I mean no bet ability in the Bulls, I don't even want to swallow points against them because I don't want some, you know, garbage magic where next man up mentality all kind of gets right one night. I'm just going to stay away from betting anybody for the Bulls against the Bulls. All that we still love the Grizzlies here, but we'll stay away from that. So if you got no problem betting against the Bulls, Grizzlies minus say should be fantastic value. They should be able to get it done. We were, we are not officially taking it though. All right, then we get the Pacers at the Clippers. Pacers plus one and a half. Clippers minus one and a half. And we don't bet this Clippers team until Paul George is back. And Paul George is still out. So we're staying away from this game. Then we get the Bucs at the Hawks. Bucks minus five and a half. Hawks plus five and a half here for the Bucks. Brooke Lopez is still out. And Drew Holiday is also out again. Unfortunate there. Hawks. Clint Capella out. Bogdan Bogdanovich is out. And we have to swallow five and a half here for the Bucks. Ooh, borderline great value here, folks borderline great value Bucks just coming off of a really unfortunate loss there against the Raptors on the road but this Hawks team folks there is just really no believability on this team um, they're, they're, they've still got a little bit of better ability in their tank but believability none no no so I, I'm gonna swallow the five and a half here for the for the Bucks no Capella. I mean that's just too easy Bobby Portis, Giannis should be having I mean they should be eating and feasting all night down low the The Bucs will probably score over 100 points, and uh, 99% of their points probably are going to come from down low. So give us the Bucs. They're deep. They can overcome. You know, the, you know, Drew Holiday being out, they've got no problem. Dante DiVincenzo, Grayson Allen, they can handle it. Um, there's one more. Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Pat Connaughton. That's the one that really can handle it. Um, and then Brooke Lopez, Bob Portis can handle it. So, uh, we believe the Bucks can overcome their two injuries, their two outs. Bucks minus five and a half. alrighty, we're building, folks. I'm loving what we've got tonight. Ooh, the return to the NBA. We're about to hit it big. Let's not. Good get too cocky here, but I'm loving it, folks. Here we go. Final five games. Let's see if we can continue to add to this. Blazers at the Magic. Blazers minus two. Magic plus two. No bet ability on this Blazers team. Lillard out. Oh, hang on. Are we getting CJ McCollum back? Oh, CJ McCollum's good to go. So Damian Lillard is out. Laird Nance Jr. is out. And Norman Powell's the game. Time decision. Oh, oh, we may be able to start betting this Blazers team again. We'll see for the Magic. We get Hell's uh, fault is still out. Wendell Carter's out. Jonathan Isaac out. Uh, just as you usual suspects out here for the magic. So we're going to stay away from betting this game because once again, we've got already great things. We don't need to push anything here, but this is going to be a great gauge game. How much betability is back for this Blazers team? We'll see tonight. Blazers minus two. We'll stay away from it though alrighty last four games Raptors at the Heat Raptors plus three Heat minus three and y'all know this Heat team folks absolute dogs and they are you know trying to get healthy here so for the Heat Kyle Lowry is out Markeith Morris is out and Bam Adebayo may make his return I believe he is making his return here let's quickly see Uh, if Bam Adebayo is officially making his return we have to bet on that the energy is going to be off the roof and we know there already winning without Bam Adebayo dominating without Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and all that next man up mentality yes no Kyle Lowry but they've got some other facilitators on the floor they can even use Jimmy Butler as a facilitator if they need to but Tyler Hero can handle it if he needs to all that they've got the pieces to handle it Uh but Bam Adebayo here let's quickly see because I'm almost guaranteed he is making his debut so let's go to our favorite Twitter page, NBA Fantasy Labs, just to quadruple check. He's listed as Game Time Decision, but I think it was kind of today. Questionable Monday. That was 17 hours ago. Dang, dang, dang. What did I read a couple days ago that he was kind of looking to make his debut tonight? Alrighty, so this one's going to be on hold for a second. If you want to get the great value, uh, because I'm sure this value would probably climb a little bit. From like heat minus three to maybe around like heat minus four, four and a half. Five. Um, if it is officially announced that Bam Adebayo is going, so if you want to maybe lock in some early value, I think it is kind of leaning towards Bam Adebayo is going to play. Uh, so if you want to lock in the Heat minus three now when you can, I think that's okay to do. But we are going to officially wait till Bam Adebayo is 100% good to go. So if this is what I'm going to tell y'all, since you know we do do the show a little bit earlier and we probably won't know till about four, five, six officially if Bam Adebayo is going to go or not. So. We love the heat here in this spot, especially if Bam Adebayo is playing. So if Bam Adebayo is clear to go, good to go. We are officially betting on the heat tonight all the way up to heat minus four and a half. Anything over, you know, we'll have to second guess and you'll have to check back in with me if we officially endorse it. So we'll tweet it out when it officially happens, but uh, wait out for that tweet, folks. I do like the heat and we will add it to our official picks if Bam Adebayo is officially good to go, but we will wait for the official announcement on that. Alright, then we get the Suns at the Spurs. Suns minus 4, but they're on the back-to-back. Never betting that. Uh, Staying away from that. Then we get the Thunder at the Mavericks. Thunder plus 11.5 here. Mavericks minus 11.5. Never swallowing that many points. Mavericks in their last 10 have been getting it done. It doesn't look good. It's uninspiring. There's really no great ball movement. They're winning without Porzingis, which I guess is great, but overall, I still stay away from betting this Mavericks team, especially swallowing all all those points. And then the last game of the night, the Jazz of the Lakers. Jazz on the back-to-back, and we wouldn't bet this lakers team if you paid us folks so staying away from this one so officially three great bets here pelicans plus four 76ers minus three bucks minus five and a half and if bam out of is officially good to go heat minus three officially endorsing it all the way up to heat minus four Alrighty, righty, folks, so Meta oh, man took a couple days off from talking NBA, but we're right back and we've already found the great value, folks, and we're looking to make it three straight days, three straight days of winning days betting in the NBA, folks, five of five in our last five picks, looking to make it eight of eight, or maybe even nine of nine if Bam Adebayo decides to join us tonight, folks, so feeling very, very good, feeling very, very, very good tonight. All righty, that was all the NBA we had to go over for today. So now let's shift gears to the NFL and Super Wild Card Weekend. That was woof, entertaining to say the least. Yes, there was some blowout games, but some great kind of drama in those games. Some last-ditch efforts in some games. Games going down to the wire, and just some brilliant quarterbacking performance, and we already know who the Super Bowl champions are based on what we saw in Super Wild Card Week, and now the two teams tonight maybe, maybe could throw a little wrench in the plan for who we believe is going to win the Super Bowl, but overall, it's not going to affect the Super Bowl game overall because my Super Bowl champions in the AFC folks okay so Cardinals Rams yeah you know, they'll they'll see them in the Super Bowl game but I don't think it's going to make a difference so we're going to go and break down all the matchups, all the games from Wild Card Weekend so far. And then we'll uh, end uh, um, Super Wild Card Weekend discussion discussion officially tomorrow when we uh, see and watch and break down the game from tonight. For tonight, And we'll also break down that game after we break down all the games. We'll preview that game uh, after we break down all the games from last night to see what did we learn from this weekend. What can we take of what we learned from this weekend and apply it to tonight's game to make even more money. Got a little bit of... Got a little hit in our picks overall. Uh, this one, this pick tonight is going to officially uh, declare if we are 500 or a little bit under 500 for the week. So, a um, lot, lot riding on this week, on tonight's game. But... Enough of the talking. Let's get and start breaking down these playoff teams and what they showed us and who is really trying to win the Super Bowl and who is just like, yeah, you know, the playoffs are fun. I'm just here for some fun, yeah? So here we go. First game up here. The first game. We're going in order. First game of Wild Card Weekend Raiders at the Bengals and Joey B gets it done, folks. Absolutely love it. Bengals win by 726 and 19, they cover the 5.5, we knew this was going to be like a touchdown game, that's why we chose and felt so confident in uh, uh, swallowing 5.5 here for the Bengals, but the Bengals got the win 26-19, and Bengals looking good, Joe Burrow looking confident, slinging the ball and getting it done came out hot, first drive touchdown, second drive field goal, third drive field goal, fourth drive touchdown all their drives in the first half resulting in two points and this Bengals team was so impressive with their offense and once again another big reason why we felt so confident betting on this Bengals team was because of their consistent great offense that Joe Burrow was leading the last couple of weeks of the season. His last two games that he played in like putting up over nine hundred yards during those two games then took week 18 off, came out fresh, but did not lose a step in the jungle, was roaring all game long, this Cincinnati Bengals uh, fandom fan base is fantastic had their home stadium rocking and roaring all game long, where when we look at maybe the Cowboys, yeah they got up, their fans were good and they were at home, but they didn't really make a difference here but I mean when you were watching the broadcast folks you couldn't even hear the refs calling what the penalty was because it was rocking and roaring right from the jump because because of their defense not allowing the Raiders to get a touchdown on the first drive and then Joe Burrow answering his first drive with the 12 play 70 yard drive that chewed up 5 minutes that resulted in a touchdown so Joe Burrow gave his fans something to cheer about something to kind of of, you know, make it hard for Derek Carr and company to kind of, you know, get back on track because the Raiders' second drive, when the game was 7-3, they fumble the ball. Derek Carr, sack, fumble. Once again, Bengals defense, real sell. This is a real sell defense that locks up. They don't let you get it done. This Raiders team drove a couple of times. And got into some nice scoring position, but they always, you know, for the most part, had to settle for the field goal. What did they get? Uh, One touchdown this game. Every other point was a field goal. Field goal. So we saw this by the Bengals, and this is why the Bengals could potentially upset. Uh, They've got. um, We get Bills, Chiefs. So we get. um, We get Bengals. Who's the other uh, Bengals Titans man? That's a tough one. Ooh, that's truly unfortunate. That's good. That's gonna be a great game overall really should be but Derrick Henry's out there So this Bengals team is truly gonna have to rely on their defense come next week Still gonna have to put up the points offensively. Absolutely, but their defense when they get in the red zone Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill working in Tandem and they're fantastic Derrick, Derrick Henry punching you in the mouth Ryan Tannehill selling the play action rolling out bootleg taking it himself, running in the red zone, so this Bengals defense is truly going to show what they're made of this upcoming week, but we've seen this Bengals defense be fantastic, folks, against the Chiefs uh, a couple weeks ago, getting it done in the second half, not allowing, the. I think the Chiefs put up three points in the second half of that game, Bengals win because their defense finally got it good enough to lock it up for the rest of the game here, locked up the Raiders here in the red zone time and time and time and time and time in time again. I think that's uh, five field goals right there. So this Bengals defense, folks, is a little bit slept on and kind of the wild card here for the Bengals. Yes, we know Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and even head coach Zach Tither. Yes, we know all of them, but start respecting this Bengals defense, folks. Getting it done. Look at this. Uh, not too many sacks, but they had three of them. Three nice sacks. Sam Hubbard a sack and a tackle for loss. We had Trey Hendrickson a sack in. B.J. Hill a sack and a tackle for loss so they get it done in the biggest game in the biggest spots Forced air car with a fumble on a second drive, and then the game coming down to the wire, folks. Once again, Raiders down seven points here. Uh, about two minutes left here. Gotta go down and score quickly. They go 11 plays, 41 yards on their final drive. End up at the nine yard line. Fourth and goal from the nine. Once again, defense locking up in the red zone to force the fourth down. And then on fourth down, let's watch the tape and uh, see what. What happens here. Derek Carr being on clutch as usual. We've seen this man turn the ball over at the worst times throughout the season. Uh, the biggest kind of glaring issue was that game against the Giants earlier. In the season where they were kind of down all game, and then Derek Carr and company caught a few sparks here and there, but he always turned the ball over. I think he had like three turnovers in that game, and he turned over the ball when they were trying to come back, especially on that last final game winning or game time drive. I think it was a winning drive, and Derek Carr turns the ball over whether it was, I think it wasn't an interception, but it could have been a fumble as well. Uh, point is, Derek Carr being on clutch here and on fourth and goal against a great, fantastic bang goals slapped on underrated defense here they lock it up in the red zone and here Derek Carr throwing it into double coverage not open at all and that's an interception and it wasn't even in the end zone so I don't even know what the hell Derek Carr was even trying to do on this throw if it was complete and not an interception like it was Derek Carr throwing an interception on fourth and goal when you have a chance to win a or to tie a playoff game I mean, once again, Derek Carr's unclutchability, that's the biggest knock that we have on Derek Carr. We saw that last season as well a few times. But that's going to be kind of our our narrative heading into this offseason. Yes, Derek Carr's got the great arm. Yes, Derek Carr is good. I would feel good. I would feel confident. I would feel comfortable heading into battle in a regular season must-win game or in any playoff game. I would feel good about having Derek Carr being my quarterback. I would feel solid. I'd be like, yeah, we've got a pretty nice 50-50 chance of winning this game because Derek Carr has some solidified, provable, great cannon arm that has proven to win games, win some big games here and there, but overall, the clutch ability this season, last season, and now we're starting to kind of say, you know, get a full kind of five, six-year body of work and being like, all right, we kind of know what he is overall here. No more mystery like a rookie quarterback, you know, year one, two, like, hey, we see some great glimpses, but can he put it together? Can he be consistent, or is this just what he is here? So Derek Carr going to have a little bit of an unfortunate offseason in overall, but uh, he's got to clean up these uh, unclutch abilities, man. So Derek Carr throw right over the middle probably at like the one and a half yard line and the interception and double cover it. It just was not open bad play call overall. I really thought he was trying to go to Darren Waller right here on a little bit of a block and release little bit of a wheel route, but he rushes to throw a little bit that never developed. He was trying to he was kind of talking to Darren Waller. I don't think you can see it right here, uh, but if you were watching the live broadcast a couple of seconds before the play actually happened he was kind of you know talking to Darren Waller being like no look this way and all that so I don't know man just a bad play call bad execution but also shout out to this Bengals defense for not allowing anything open here and really triple covering the main option that Derek Carr forced the throw to so whether that was great preparation where the Bengals knew hey this is kind of their go to play down here and we already know and we're going to lock it up because it truly looked like they knew what play was coming right here and locked it up perfectly so shout out huge time big time big 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 ginormous in time to this Bengals defense folks gotta give them a ton of credit so we'll see if it kind of shows up on the road Nissan Stadium against Derrick Henry King Henry how great is that folks we get the return of Derrick Henry this week Ooh, that's what's gonna make Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday when do they play? They play Saturday or Sunday. I kind of hope it's Saturday just so we can watch Derrick Henry um, earlier, day earlier. Next week. We, oh yeah, Saturday 4.30 game. The first game of the next round of the playoffs and we get King Derrick Henry. Oh, ooh, I love it. Oh, I love it, folks. going to be fantastic. So, all this week, we get to look forward to Derrick Henry, and I think that's what we're going to do. I think we're going to watch Derrick Henry highlights every single day to get us ready to watch the king, the man, the legend, the greatest running back of all time back in the playoffs. Ooh, Ooh, I can't wait. But back to the Bengals, who unfortunately have to face the king, the man, the legend, the best running back of all time, Unfortunate. But we'll see if Joe Burrow and company uh, can get it done because they were getting it done in this game. So let's start breaking down some stats now. Joe Burrow, a really great game overall. Command, he showed command the entire game. The the pressure never got too big. His first playoff game ever in his career coming off of an a season-ending injury Having one of the uh, Huge, great I, w- I won't say one of the best Passing seasons of all time But a huge, fantastic Great, magnificent season For a second-year quarterback Like, this dude's already legit, folks There's no more question marks Surrounding Joe Burrow Some question marks Still kind of around Justin Herbert Which is kind of crazy Because heading into the season I think just the overall consensus Was, yeah, Justin Herbert Over Joe Burrow I um, mean, that was no knock on Joe Burrow That was just kind of speaking of how great Justin Herbert was right off the rip, right out of the gate. Unfortunately, Joe Burrow was too, but his season got cut a little bit short. Uh, But, man, oh, man, Joe Burrow, no, the pressure never gets to him. He always rises to the occasion. Big throws in this game, targeting his big wide receivers, not dinking and dunking, winking, wonking, anything like that, going to his playmakers. And we'll talk about that when we get to who the top receivers were, but, folks, it was great. So shout out to Joe Burrow, he is here, folks. No more question marks. And once again, you know what we've been saying all season: this new era of quarterbacks, folks. We are in great hands, folks. Uh, so if you're worrying, oh my goodness, uh, Tom Brady's going to retire and Aaron Rodgers is going to retire at any moment, and we've already lost Drew Brees and we've lost Philip Rivers, and we're we've all, <laughs> thankfully, thank goodnessly, we've already lost Big Ben. But you know, you know, people think, oh my goodness, the NFL is in the toilet now, and who's going to replace all these great quarterbacks? Here it is. Joe Burrow. There it is. That's the next Tom Brady. That's the next Aaron Rodgers. This is a new generation where we're talking, you know, this quarterback and quarterback class for 20 straight years. And I cannot wait. And I'm definitely looking forward to be here because we kind of started our journey here officially. Obviously, we've been watching football our entire lives, but officially starting the show on Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and we can watch them their entire career and all that. So, cannot wait, folks. Absolutely great, and it's been a great first two years watching this man get it done. Fantastic. All right, so here we go. Joe Burrow, first playoff game, folks. 24 of 34, officially a 70. Ooh, ooh, 70% completion percentage of this game. And that's what he's averaging for the season, folks. He's 70% this year. I think that's number one in the league. Shout out to that. Shout out to Joe Burrow. Obviously, comeback player of the year. cast to be comeback player of the year, folks. Yes, Joey Bosa is good. Don't get us wrong. But man, oh man, and that, that man's out again. How unfortunate there. Comeback player of the year, Joe Burrow fan. Ooh, I can't praise Joe Burrow enough folks it's so fantastic um, all right here we go uh, so Joe Burrow getting it done 70% completion percentage 244 yards two touchdowns no picks no fumbles clean game from the kid oh folks are you understanding? Oh, I got to let out. of Oh, Joe Burrow. So gosh dang good. Oh, gosh dang good. Mm, love it. All right. Here we go. Joe Burrow. Fantastic. Running game was pretty okay. Ish. Joe Mixon 17 rushes for 48 yards. And eh. Jamar Chase ran three times for 23 yards. So Joe Burrow a little or Joe Mixon a little, you know, locked up a little bit. But Joe Burrow was not, folks. So that's fantastic. And then here we are, folks, leading receiver Jamar Chase, 12 targets, the most by far, the second leading targeted receiver with CJ Uzama, the tight end. But Jamar Chase, 12 targets, nine receptions, 116 yards, no touchdowns, but they were using Jamar, Jamar Chase all game long, right from the gate, right from the get-go, right to the end, it didn't matter, utilizing him all game long, where we got another kind of young re- rookie, great wide receiver in Devontae Smith, and they did not get him the ball at all in any meaningful ways during the meaningful part of the game before they got truly obliterated by the Bucks. So, shout-out to Zach Taylor. Shout-out to Joe Burrow for getting it done, utilizing all your weapons. Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, little underwhelming, a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth here heading into the offseason. We'll talk that more when we get to that game. So, Jamar Chase, absolutely fantastic. We have CJ Uzama here, second leading receiver, six catches, 64 yards and a touchdown, going to the tight ends in the red zone. You got to love it. Joe Mixon, four catches, 28 yards. Tyler Boyd, four catches, 26 yards and a touchdown. And for this, I was a little disappointed in T. Higgins, four targets, but only one catch for 10 yards. We really would like to see him a little bit more utilized here, but overall, it resulted in the win. So, I guess we can't knock it too much and use Jamar Chase. It wasn't like you were just using Uzama and Mixon and Tyler Boyd and all that so overall maybe they're saving T. Higgins for kind of next week the Titans game when they're definitely going to need a little bit more scoring most likely here um, so we'll see what happens but overall a magnificent first game here by this Bengals team truly cannot uh, praise them enough and then for the Raiders just being unfortunately unclutch here Derek Carr goes 29 of 54. Ooh, 53. Ooh, man, 53% completion percentage. I mean, that's what we're saying, folks. Derek Carr just on clutch. Joe Burrow, first playoff game, 70% completion percentage. Derek Carr. 53, 54, I just, uh, unfortunate. So, this is a knock on Derek Carr. The arm's great. Overall, the decision-making is usually great here, but big games, big spots. Derek Carr has really not shown up. What was his biggest win? Beating the Kansas City Chiefs last season, regular season, um, in Kansas City? Is that their biggest win with Derek Carr? I mean, you see? You see, folks? It's just, it's unfortunate. Because uh, he's a great talent. He's truly a great talent. So, uh, bad completion percentage. He did have 310 yards. I'll give him that. One touchdown. The interception, bad. The fumble, bad. All that on clutch. Multiple turnover game. We've seen that all year long, by the man. Rushing game Josh Jacobs got it done 13 carries for 83 yards fantastic they didn't really stick to it uh they didn't really get down too big too bad yes the Bengals were scoring at a decently consistent pace but the Raiders were kind of as well yes a turnover here and there and only settling for and only having to settle for field goals I get it but they were never down you know 21 nothing it wasn't like the Bucks game it wasn't like the Bills game it wasn't like the Chiefs game in the second half where it was just blow out blow out blow out you have to throw the ball so the Raiders probably should have slowed down the game a little bit more, ran the ball a little bit more. Josh Jacobs was getting it done every time he carried the ball, but having Derek Carr throw the ball 54 times a game, that's not ideal, folks. We say that all the time. There's like two quarterbacks that we trust, maybe now three quarterbacks that we trust to throw the ball 54 times a game. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and now maybe Joe Burrow. i give Joe Burrow a 50-piece. Yeah, go ahead, throw 50 times. I don't give a damn. You'd probably get it done. I'd have a lot of faith and believability in that. So, shout out to the Bengals. Shout out to uh, Joe Burrow again. And Derek Carr, just that unclutchability. It's unfortunate. Uh, so, Derek, uh, Josh Jacobs, a good running game. And then, who was Derek Carr slinging the ball to? Darren Waller leading receiver seven catches 76 yards Zay Jones five catches 61 yards a touchdown Hunter Renfro eight catches 58 yards Josh Jacobs four catches 44 yards Brian Edwards three catches 41 yards and then Deshaun Jackson one catch 26 yards So going to his main pieces all that once got a decent, you know kind of green flag for Derek Carr But the clutch ability is what truly kills them Bengals get the win here 26 19 don't sleep on this Bengals off or defense folks and shout out here Huge time, big time. The Mr. Joey mother-loving B, folks. Joey B getting it done. Bengals get the win, 26-19. And, and then, um, oh, yeah, the big, oh, yeah, we forgot to talk about this. The big controversial call here. Here we go. The whistle, the phantom whistle that really should have not have called the touchdown. But here it is. Uh, Bengals up 13-6, to 6, two minutes left here in the second quarter. Bengals at the Raiders 10-yard line. We get Joe Burrow running out of the pocket here. We get him stepping up, rolling out to the right, throwing on the run, and then we get the whistle right here when the ball is already in the end zone, folks. This is exactly where you hear the whistle blow right here. Balls right here midway into the end zone. Joe Burrow, he was in bounds. Bad call, but once again, the whistle. So we do get the touchdown catch. The play, the defender seemed to be out of position by the time the ball is thrown and the whistle is dead right here. This defender is already out of position. It would have been a touchdown, but the Raiders players did hear the whistle on the field in real time because we get number 29 running in from the left side where the whistle was called on the right sideline number 29 from the left back corner end zone comes in running and is pointing to the official on the sideline and remember the the NFL has not released which official blew the whistle I think they are saying they won't say which official blew blew the whistle. I think that's kind of what they're keeping wrapped up. They they were kind of, the, the, the referees were kind of questioned after the game, interviewed after the game, and they were not saying which ref blew the whistle. Now, I don't know if that's changed, but as of Saturday, after this game, when the frenzy, when Twitter was on fire, when literally the people calling this game, Drew Brees was calling this game, and we got to talk about that. Drew Brees is not good in the booth. He's not good at the table, the desk, whatever it is. Joe, Drew Brees is just not made out for it. It's unfortunate, but that's what it is. Uh, He can't play off of anybody. He's stagnant. And whenever anybody brings up the Saints, uh, Drew Brees is always smiling ear ear to ear because he thinks they're always kind of bringing up the Saints just so, you know, Drew Brees can say something like, oh, like, uh, I forgot what it was, but it was like a couple weeks ago when the, you know, regular season all that, uh, you know, Drew Brees at the desk. And somebody brought up the Saints, like, um, you know, do you think the Saints can make the playoffs? And Drew Brees was smiling. He was like, "Oh yeah!" Like, like, like Drew Brees was smiling because he was thinking that they only brought up the Saints because of Drew Brees, like that. So Drew Brees was like, "Oh, do I? Of course! Like, because I play for them. Oh, of course, I think like he. But that's not what it was overall. But it, it's better if you watch it. If you just watch the man, I'm sure you'll get the gist of it. I don't know if I explained it perfectly, but I'm just not. Loving Drew Brees. But that's a different thing. But overall, and then they just made a big deal of it, a big deal out of it on the broadcast, bringing it up time and time and time again and all that. And I'm kind of put trying to put out the flames because they saw what was happening on Twitter. That's another discussion over than that, other than that. Um, But they heard it on the field. The Raiders players did hear the whistle. Do I think the whistle impacted the final result of the play, which was a touchdown? No. But according to the rules, the inadvertent whistle, which uh, clearly you can't And here, clearly, way before the ball was caught. And that was the ref's other excuse. No, the ball was caught. um, The whistle was blown as soon as the ball was caught. (laughs) No, it wasn't, folks. I mean, we we see it right here. Uh, It's exactly right here in the air. I have watched this footage many of times, analyzed it. Enhanced, enhanced, I'm enhancing, enhancing the audio, the visuals, all that, folks, and my, all the great technology we have here at the Takes by Fan Studio. Shout out to the big producers that sink big-time money into this to give us, you know, the best of the technology here. This is where the ball is thrown. This is where the ball is when the whistle is thrown, folks, in the middle of the air, in the middle of the end zone. Um, So... The players did hear the whistle blow. Should have not been a touchdown. Should have replayed third and four. And you know, who knows what would have happened after that. It's unfortunate. Raiders a tad burned, but overall the Bengals were the better team at the end of the day. So um yeah, you know, the right the the right team won at the end of the day. I don't believe the whistle had any big impact on the play itself, on the actual play itself. So overall, it's uh, you know, it's unfortunate that it happened, shouldn't have happened. Refs need to be way better than this. I mean, we're talking playoffs here now, folks. These are supposed to be the best of the best, and they got it a little bit beefed here, a little bit beefed here. But either way, Joe Burrow and company get it done. Bengals win 26-19. Alrighty, next game up here is the Patriots at the Bills and man, oh man, oh man, the Buffalo Bills folks, what a performance, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, every single knock everything that was holding us back on truly believing in the bills all of my worries went away during this game a perfect game here by the buffalo bills first drive touchdown second drive touchdown third drive touchdown fourth drive touchdown fifth drive halftime uh, first official drive out of halftime fifth of uh, fifth uh, what do we got six here now six Sixth drive, touchdown, seventh drive, touchdown, eighth drive, touchdown, ninth drive, end of the game, folks. A perfect game touchdowns on every single drive, getting it done in the red zone every single time, beautiful passes right on the money by Josh Allen all game long in the end zone, in the red zone, the Buffalo Bills, folks, I'm ready to declare it, the Buffalo Bills are the best team remaining, the Buffalo Bills will win the Super Bowl it's already done what I saw from this team getting it done as well as they did the knocks that we had on the Bills were one. They don't get it done in the red zone. Having to settle for field goals more than they get touchdown. Bingo, bango, That took care of itself. Touchdown on every single drive. They got it done. Every time time they touch the ball, they got it done. The defense picking off Mac Jones. Yeah, touchdown. Us driving 80 yards ourselves. Yeah, touchdown. It did not matter. The result was the same. Josh Allen and company getting it done in the end zone. Brian uh, DeBull, uh, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott all getting it done, being aggressive here. Another knock that we had. Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, always clamming up in the playoffs. No, no, no. 47 points. I think this is the most points they put up in a playoff game under, you know, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, and uh, DeBull all getting it done there. Getting it done. I've seen enough and I'm ready to put the money where the mouth is, folks. What are the odds here of Josh Allen and the Bills winning the Super Bowl? Now, I'm sure we've lost a little bit of value because I'm sure Vegas saw this performance as well. So, here we go. Oh, my God. They're not even favorites. Oh, oh we're way. Wait- oh, baby. We can still make money. We're way late to the party. And that's something I have to apologize by the Bills and the Bills fandom and Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. I must apologize here, folks. We did officially, before the playoff started, call the Bills playoff pretenders. And that is the worst thing I have ever seen said folks i am sorry i can't believe those words ever came out of my mouth folks and this is the only thing i will ever apologize for in the history of ever okay folks uh because we never get anything wrong and we never get anything this wrong but i was this wrong but i'm ready to correct it here folks bills are obviously not playoff pretenders folks they are not super bowl contenders we've got to add a new category to our contender pretender list Super Bowl winner we've already know folks we already know the Bills will win the Super Bowl That was the best performance by the weekend hands down some of these teams. Yeah, they blew out teams But they had a hiccup here and there no hiccup No hiccup here and the team won the game in the first quarter another thing we have to get to We got to talk so much things about this Bills team obviously, but first let's take care of business Super Bowl winner right here the Bills. I'll do this after the show. Okay, folks So just know that there will be another catch Category here play our Super Bowl winner and that's the bills. So let's see what we can bet on it now Packers favorites at plus 380 chiefs second favorites at plus 400 Then We get the mother-loving Buffalo Bills folks great value plus 500. Yes. Yes. Yes 10,000 $10,000 folks, that's how Confident I am that Josh Allen and the Bills win the Super Bowl. That is how confident I am folks 10000 to win 50 grand 50 grand on Josh Allen and the Bills that's how impressive this that performance was a $10,000 bet that the Bills win the Super Bowl okay okay that's how great it was absolutely magnificent Absolutely magnificent. And like we said, the best game of the weekend, the best performance of the weekend was Buffalo at home in the freezing, absolute freezing cold out here, folks. Um, and I have to. I'm, I'm. I'm gonna have to log back in. I've got to show y'all and shout out to um, uh, NFL.com. They did one good thing, right? They already had the film out for the Buffalo Bills game in the Raiders Bengals game, which I don't understand why they can't do that during the regular season. Get that quick turnaround, but overall, whatever. Um, and it still signs you out every single time, so it's still trash. But they did one good thing, right? But the interception on Mac Jones. And that's another thing that we have to talk about that's definitely going to get lost in this game. Mac Jones is looking good. Mac Jones is going to be fantastic next season, folks. Next year, the Patriots offense, once they get maybe a great piece, and Mac Jones has this offseason of getting better, folks. Mac Jones is going to be a problem next year. The man will be great and will probably be the best quarterback from this year's draft class next year early on in the season. Justin, um, Trevor Lawrence probably takes, you know, maybe, you know, still needs a couple more games under his belt to get acclimated. I really think week one next year, Mac Jones is going to take off. Truly watch out for this man. Uh, But, this uh, the drive the first drive by the Patriots is truly when the Buffalo Bills won this game Buffalo takes the first drive down and gets a touchdown then the second drive Mac Jones was moving the ball down the field folks he was moving the ball down the field and then he took a strike to the end zone which was a good throw borderline great we'll, we'll tell you why it's not great but it was this close of being caught for a touchdown to tie the game 7-7 and then who knows what we get from the Bills do they flounder under the pressure. The pressure is back onto them. The Patriots kind of took some of that momentum away by that great opening drive in Buffalo, getting the crowd into it. Even though they're cold, they were into it. Getting Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, not even a quarterback by the Bills. Uh, He's still under Washington at this game here. How crazy is that? That's how much energy was in the stadium. So if you take all that out, how does that play? Would have been a totally different story. Maybe the Bills still win. Maybe they still dominate. Maybe, who knows, but... you know, we know what we get. Bills dominate here anyway. Uh, but here we go. This play that truly won the game. This changed the entire game right here folks. 5 minutes left. 5 minutes, 50 seconds left in the first quarter. The game was over from this point forward. Mac Jones, 1st and 10 from the Bills 34 yard line. Goes deep. Goes toward the end zone on a almost beautiful ball. This receiver is wide open. This is wide open in the NFL. And Mac jones confident gutsy took this shot so first of all mac jones deserves a ton of credit for even taking this shot because we watched jalen hurts in the playoffs um, against the bucks and that man floundered big time did not want to take any big shots was trying to escape the pocket every single drive we've got evidence of that folks we're going to talk about that when we get to that game but mac jones deserves so much credit folks for taking this deep shot it's in it's magnificent folks it was so great The only bad thing on this ball is that at the very end, it started to drift a little bit too much inside. You still need to kind of throw this one towards the pylon, towards the boundary a little bit more. That's what would have made this great throw a perfect throw, but it was still a good throw. It still should have been a touchdown, but we see the Bills defender flying in horizontally and getting the pick. Let me uh, get this defender's name right. I thought it was Matt Milano. It's not. It's uh, Micah Hyde here. A phenomenal, phenomenal interception to really take the ball out of, who is this, Nelson Aguilar? Nelson Aguilar's hands right here. Watch this one more time, Matt, or Micah Hyde with an incredible interception. An interception you would not expect a defensive player to make. A defensive player to make catching this over his shoulder while running from the middle of the field all the way to the left. Oh, my God. Barely even. He didn't even look at this ball. It just landed in his hands, and he still caught it. He's not even looking at... Uh, he looked at it right there. Man, oh, man. That's a great mother interception right there, and it won them the game by the Bills. They won the game right there on that play. Great job by the defense. Now, from the offensive side, this is bad by Nelson Aguilar to not go up and get this ball. Go up and win the ball at its peak. That's what they teach you. To go high point the ball and go get it and Nelson Aguilar did not if he goes up and gets it he catches this ball Micah Hyde did not go up and get the ball the ball came to him Nelson Aguilar was expecting the ball come to him as well but Micah Hyde made a phenomenal incredible game changing course of history changing play right there so shout out to Micah Hyde and bad job there by Nelson Aguilar and once again what we've been saying all season Mac Jones is good obviously he's not good at he's not at that point of being great of uh of of Playing up like tier two pieces. They've got no A one tier one wide receiver on this team. These are all tier two wide receivers. Nelson Aguilar, their uh, their tight ends all tier two, solid. Um, you know Hunter Henry, Jacoby Myers wide receiver. That's a tier two wide receiver. Brandon Bolden, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, these are all Kendrick Bourne, all tier two wide receivers. So the Patriots need that kind of number one. Mac Jones is not at the point of his career to elevate the play of tier two wide receivers and weapons it should be the other way around these receivers should be helping out rookie Mac Jones is it at this point but it's the other way around Mac Jones was making beautiful plays all throughout this game even in the first drive here let's go back because before that play before that interception Mac Jones had a giant scramble on third down and another did he throw this ball yeah right here um. This is not on uh, Let's see if we can find it here um, We have to bring it to the broadcast It should be up but a 3rd and 14 play. Right here, 3rd and 14, the same drive, a little bit earlier in the drive from the Bills, 20-yard line, 3rd and 14, Mac Jones right here. First drive, down 7-0, must, you know, really answer this score with at least a field goal. Mac Jones escaping out of the pressure, out of the pocket, and then delivers the ball with absolute precision on this touch over these th- those two linebackers right there and gets it to a wide open. I believe that's a tight end right there. That might be Hunter Henry. And, yeah, wide open Hunter Henry down the field for 30 yards on 3rd and 14. Clutch right there. Kept the drive moving. And then on 3rd and 10, the play right before the interception. That's not 100% on Mac Jones. On 3rd and 10, from the 50-yard line, Mac Jones avoiding the pressure. Steps up and takes off with it. And Mac Jones has learned so much rushing. Um... In the NFL this season getting better that he kind of understood his surroundings and knew a Bills player was diving at his ankles and did a little bit of a high step to get out of that to stay on his feet to pick up the 10 yards there's been so many times this season where Mac Jones thinks he has enough time to escape the pocket and take off and run with it but he gets kind of tripped up right at the line because he's not aware of his surroundings he was aware of his surroundings here he's got better he's shown he's getting better every single week and this little high step that he did to stay on his feet to pick up the 10 yards for the first down on third and 10, it was absolutely great to see that he's learning. He's learning to escape. He's learning to feel the pressure in the pocket. He's learning just pocket awareness in general. So that's what I'm saying, folks. Watch out for Mac Jones come next season, folks. Truly, the man is going to be a great quarterback in this league. We've seen some absolute greatness by this man. So, Mac Jones, he's going to get it done. Bills, best team left remaining. They'll win the Super Bowl, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And then Josh Allen just kept it up, and I'm sure we'll watch this man on our Wednesday film study to show y'all. But man, oh man, he was just getting it done all the time in the red zone. So that's great by the Bills and why it gives us so much confidence in spending $10,000 and betting the Bills to win the Super Bowl. All right, let's quickly break down some stats here and then we'll move on to the next game. Uh, so, Josh Allen goes 21 of 25. Efficient, 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 folks. 84%, 308 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, no interceptions. Clean, flawless game by Josh Allen. Uh, great aggressiveness by the Bills uh, the entire game. Once again, fantastic. Um, all right, the rushing game. Devin Singletary, 16 rushes, 81 yards, two touchdowns. That was brilliant as well. Finally getting the running game off fantastic. So another reason why this Bills team will win the Super Bowl. Offense Josh Allen not being uh, passive being aggressive and having Devin Singletary run the ball. Fantastic. Josh Allen six rushes for 66 yards. Once again his running game. They still did it here in the playoffs. Absolutely fantastic. That's exactly what we would love to see. And then Isaiah McKenzie three rushes for 29 yards. all right who was Josh Allen slinging the ball to? We had Dawson Knox five catches for 89 yards two touchdowns and then the throwaway ball that Josh Allen said he was just throwing away that got caught by by Dawson Knox in the back of the end zone. Fantastic. Stephon Diggs, three catches, 60 yards. Isaiah McKenzie, three catches, 45 yards. Gabriel Davis, two catches, 41 yards a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders, th- two catches, 36 yards a touchdown. And then uh, Cole Beasley, one catch for 19 yards. Devin Singletary, three catches for 13 yards. And then Tommy Doyle, folks, one catch, one yard for the touchdown. And once again, doing that without Stephon Diggs having to score any points. 47 points without Stephon Diggs scoring any points. Another huge green flag there. Bills, Bills, Bills. Folks, this is their year. It is finally the Bills years. Get excited if you're a Bills Mafia Bills fan. It is the Bills year, folks. 100%. We've seen enough. It is done. It is over. The Bills have won the Super Bowl. Congratulations. Y'all can celebrate right now. Alright, and then for the Patriots. uh, Patriots side of the ball. Here we go. Mac Jones, 24 of 38. What do we got? 63%. That's pretty solid for your first game. We're not going to knock that at all. 232 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Unfortunate interceptions here. Uh, like we said, that first one really not his fault, folks. Jacoby Myers should have, uh, or Nelson Aguilar really should have went up in high point of the ball. Let's quickly watch his second interception. His fault, not his fault. Uh, first drive after halftime here, down 27 to three. Right at midfield, first and ten. Mac Jones dropping back to pass. Ball tipped up, and that is an. Interception, Not really on Mac Jones since it was tipped up. Let's see if this was the right read to go a little bit behind the receiver. So that part, it was Mac Jones' fault um, of where he placed the ball and all that. But it was just an unfortunate tip there. So I'd put a little bit of half credit on Mac Jones for one of those two interceptions. Uh, so overall, not the worst game, unfortunate game, and unfortunate he had to face the Bills. Then the running game, Damian Harris, 9 rushes for 30 yards. Ramondre Stevenson, only 8 rushes for 27 yards. The running game was really just kind of stifled all game long, and then you couple that with getting kind of down right from the get-go for the entire game. You had no time to run the ball, unfortunately. Mac Jones took off twice for 18 yards. We saw one of those. All right, and then who was Mac Jones slinging the ball to? We had Kendrick Bourne, seven catches, 77 yards, two touchdowns. Jacoby Myers, six catches, 40 yards. Remindry Stevenson, four catches, 33 yards. Hunter Henry, one catch, 30 yards. Brandon Bolden, four catches, 27 yards. And then Nelson Aguilar, two targets, one catch for 18 yards. He dropped a touchdown. Should have been touchdown. touchdown. Um, so, Bills get the win, 47-17, to 17, and will be the Super Bowl champions. Alrighty, next game up here is the Eagles at the Bucks here, and another little bit of a dominant performance, but then the Eagles had a chance to come back, and they did not take the chance, and watching, watching... Jalen Hurts, all game long, be a little lackluster, folks. We It just kind of plays into our narrative that I think we're going to kind of go heavy on, especially seeing what we just saw in Wild Card Weekend. Shorter quarterbacks, folks, are almost 100% done in my book. We are this close of being 100% done with small quarterbacks, short quarterbacks. I'm talking really only 6'3 and above are truly going to get kind of the green flag, the green light by us all season long and I think that's when we kind of go over the draft prospects watching a draft prospect every day before the draft and all that when we break down quarterbacks I'm really not going to endorse any small quarterbacks I think I'm done and really this one picture alone encapsulates it encapsulates it when I was watching this live folks I was screaming at my television I was already ranting what I'm about to rant right now folks that these small quarterbacks cannot get it done they have zero no pocket awareness because they're small they can't really see over the line so they love to escape they love to roll out of the pocket when we watch Big Ben who can't even move and he still stands tall in the pocket knowing that even if he even gets breathed on he will turn to dust he still stays tall in the pocket stands tall in the pocket Tom Brady 44 years old who you know let me knock on wood because I don't even want to say this but I have to say this to get the point across you know you know, Tom Brady who you know on any. Hit at his age could crumble. I mean, knock on wood big time here because he's 44. Big, big Ben can't even move at 40 at the current moment. So Tom Brady, he still stands tall, tall, tall in the pocket. These young guns, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, standing tall in the pocket, not looking to move, not looking to run on every single play. Jalen Hurts does that, folks. He ran out of this. Do you see how freaking well this pocket is, folks? You could step in a little bit. Maybe you can shuffle even right a little bit. But this man full on sprinted out to the left here, kept his eyes down the field. And, uh, This play resulted in an incomplete pass, potential interception as well, because these linebackers are just spying and watching Jalen Hurts' eyes with the ball. So when he rolls out to the left, these linebackers shift to the left and roll out to the left with them, and the linebacker... When he, when Jalen hurts rolled out to the left and threw to the left, the linebackers tip the ball because they're watching this man. You stand tall in the pocket; they're probably not going to be able to tip this ball because they're still not really sure. Are you throwing left or the right? Yes, they see your eyes, but you can still you know flip them back to the other side real quickly to throw them off. But when you're rolling to the left, hey, you're pretty much throwing to the left, or you're throwing it back across your body where you're probably going to throw an interception at that time because you are not magical like a Patrick Holmes. So, Jalen Hurts, scrambling out of the pocket, not feeling comfortable the entire game, and I'm done. Very, very close, folks. We're at 99% done with small quarterbacks. And if I reach 100%, there's no coming back. And all the small quarterbacks, I'm sorry, but we are done with you, okay? So, Jalen Hurts, a big-time flounder job here and had multiple opportunities to get it done. Yes, the, pay, uh, the Bucks started out real hot. First drive, touchdown, 5 minutes 60 yards no problem Uh, then the second drive they punt Third drive, they get a touchdown. Fourth drive, they get a field goal. And now they're up 17-0, and it is seeming like the Eagles are done, done, donezo. But they had chances. Here we go. After they get down 17-0, the Eagles finally are able to drive the ball. And this is what we've seen by the Eagles really all year long. Either the offense gets out to a hot start or they're lackluster first quarter, second quarter. But they eventually get it going at some point. And that's what I was kind of waiting for this Eagles team to get it going at some point because we've seen them do it so many times this year so when they got down 17 nothing and then this drive that started to look good they moved 46 yards they got to the Tampa Bay 40, or 37 yard line but then uh, we get a 4th and 10 at the 37. They decide to go for it and they pass incomplete. So, but it's still 17-0 because the next drive results in a punt. The Eagles defense got it done. They were starting to kind of pressure Tom Brady. The offensive line for the Bucs was starting to crumble a little bit. This was the Eagles' time to finally get it going. Another drive, the second consecutive drive after going for it on 4th and 10 from the 37 and not getting it, getting the ball back right here, still driving 60 yards right here, second and four at the Tampa Bay 21, still only down 17-0, you can still make this a game, making it 17-7, really kind of heading into halftime at this point, but what does Jalen Hurts do? He throws an interception late to Devante Smith, um, great job by the defense to kind of read it at the last second and break on the ball decently in time for the interception, but at the same time, it was still a little bit late by Jalen Hurts. An unfortunate decision that seemed to be open, but at the end was not. But that's another interception where you could have came away with points. Then it's kind of halftime at this point. You get the ball out of halftime. Still only down 17-0. Yes, it's three possessions, but it's still manageable at this point because of the Eagles defense pressuring Tom Brady and not letting the Bucks score after score after score like the Bills did. You've got chance. You've got breathing room. Another drop. First drive out of halftime for this Eagles team. They're driving. They're at the Tampa Bay 45-yard line. Um, Another third and 10 and another incomplete pass there. Another drive that stalls. And then... And Then another chance here you force a three and out here by the Bucs and they punt But you muffed the punt they muffed the punt and then Tom Brady if you're gonna muff the punt and start at their own 48-yard line, they're gonna take advantage and they scored a touchdown Then we get the interception and then another touchdown by the Bucs and that is officially game over at that point But so many opportunities for this Eagles to get back in the game Because once if they just lit that offensive spark just once their defense was still feeding off that momentum when they weren't scoring so imagine when they did score and all that so true turning points could have been happening uh, midway second quarter all the way to you know the start of the third quarter Uh, and even after um, they punted and the Bucks punted after the third quarter after the start of the third quarter they still were able to do something but that muff punt truly just ices the game from that point on and the Eagles yeah they scored two meaningless touchdowns in the fourth quarter that mean absolutely nothing man oh man man oh man so many opportunities waiting here by the Eagles. Big time disappointing. So, Jalen Hurts. Big time question marks on this man. Can he get it done? Big time question marks in the play calling. Barely getting Devontae Smith involved at all. They threw to this man three or four times. Four times max in the first half of this game. They didn't open up the ball at all. Just screenplay after screenplay after screenplay. And the box were just crowding the line the entire time and really not letting anything break and just Nick Sirianni a little bit of offensive game plan didn't get it done Jalen Hurts not executing really at all well and that was the downfall of the Eagles the defense kept him in it a little bit but the offense just never could take advantage big time disappointing folks really big time all right, so here we go. Jalen Hurts, he went 23 of 43. Yikes, that does not good. sound good, right? Just right off the rip, that doesn't sound good, and that's not good. 53%, not getting it done. 258 yards, that's okay. Most of the yards came on the final two drives when they were able to move the ball um, because the Bucks were just letting you move the ball. So, all righty. 258 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. The touchdown, to even care? Came in garbage time due to interceptions are way more glary, glaring. Glaring. All right, then in the running game, Jalen Hurts leading rusher, eight rushes for 39 yards. Boston Scott, one rush for 34 yards and a touchdown. Miles Sanders, who was back, but didn't really seem that healthy. Seven rushes for only 16 yards. So running game, they never really stuck to it. Um, Wasn't really effective because Miles Sanders wasn't Really kind of showing that he was at 100%. The Bucks shutting him down, truly. So, nothing great in the run game. Couldn't help out the passing game. And then Jalen Hurts in the passing game. Dallas Goddard, great, great, great game by him he was making some big time catches on some big time downs to try and keep some drives moving um so dallas got it at the tight end shout out to tight end university six catches for 92 yards led the team then we had devontae smith 11 targets but only four catches for 60 yards and all that really came in the second half uh fourth quarter really uh kenneth gainwell five catches for 49 yards and a touchdown quez watkins two catches 35 yards and then miles sanders three catches for 12 yards Alrighty then, Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things out here, slinging the ball, efficiently getting everybody involved, had a touchdown to Gronk, had a touchdown to Mike Evans, running game got involved without Ronald Jones, without Leonard Fournette, fantastic, so this Bucs team pretty solid, lost a couple of players on the offensive line, and we'll see how that affects them heading into the next matchup here. So the Bucks are truly going to have their work cut out for them if they want to repeat. It is still, you know, obviously possible because you've got the man, the king, the legend, Tom Brady. Uh, but the offensive line, we'll see if defenses can get after it. So Tom Brady goes 29 of 37. Really solid right here. We get 78% completion percentage. Fantastic. 271 yards. A little bit of dink and dunk, but still, you know, letting his playmakers make plays. Two touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles. Clean, flawless game by the Brady. Uh, which we love to see in the playoffs because we do. We know what happened last season, folks. I will never let Tom Brady live that down. Three interceptions, back to back to back in the NFC Championship game. I will never let him live it down. Uh, he won the game, so congratulations. But still, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Um. All right. Uh, In the rushing game, by the Bucs, we have Keyshawn Vaughn, leading rusher, 17 rushes for 53 yards and a touchdown. And then Giovanni Bernard, 13 rushes, 44 yards and a touchdown. So running back by committee when they truly needed it, got it done. Got it done. So big time win there for this Bucs team moving forward. All right, then, here we go. Leading receivers, Mike Evans, right at the top. Nine catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Fantastic. Giovanni Bernard, five catches, 39 yards. Rob Gronkowski, five catches, 31 yards, a touchdown. Tyler Johnson, two catches, 30 yards. Cameron Bray, three catches, 29 yards. And then Keyshawn Vaughn, two catches for nine yards. So, once again, missing some, you know, key offensive pieces here. Didn't really even use Scotty Miller at all in the passing game. No Antonio Brown, as we know. And Mike Evans is really the only guy out there. Receiver-wise, yeah, you still got Gronk. But uh, Mike Evans truly getting it done. So, and uh, we saw that. You know, last game, Week 18, Tom Brady and Mike Evans, I think they hooked up like two or three times. Um, and it was all looking good in the red zone, throwing up some balls to him. So, Mike Evans is truly going to be the key here for this Bucks of repeating as Super Bowl champions. We'll see if they keep feeding the, feeding him the ball Uh just force feeding him. I would force feed Mike Evans the ball on every single throw. So we'll see if they keep doing that. But the Bucks get to win 31 to 15. And the Bucs get to win 31 to 15. Alrighty, next game up here. Another big time game here. That was good. Uh, but uh, you know, controversial call as well. Not really that controversial, but it came down to the wire. But next game up here is the 49ers at the Cowboys. And that's what we were saying, Dak. Dak was getting hype. Remember, you know, everyone was calling, saying that he was, uh, what was the official word that were they were using? Um, on a little bit of a downturn. We called it... Oh, what do we call it? Damn, damn, damn. Uh, but uh, basically, the media was like, hey, they're you know a little floundering at the current moment offensively, and Dak Prescott had one good game. He was like, yeah, we're not floundering anymore. Who, th- who th- that You're going to call that floundering? Yeah, we're not floundering anymore. That wasn't the official word, folks. I can't think of the official word, but overall, that was the overall premise of what happened kind of midway back end of the season right there, and you know, once Dak Prescott said, hey, we're officially back, we were like, hang on, hang on. It was against Washington, and it wasn't, you know, can you do it two games in a row and we weren't really sold. And the fact that Dak Prescott got like so energized into it after to be like to kind of prove all the people in the media wrong. be like, Oh, you thought we were floundering. Well, we just put up like 50 points and we're looking really good. What do y'all got to say now? So we thought that was a little bit of like, a, ooh, I don't know if you should be really should really be saying that. And then we get this playoff performance when we were still a little bit worried about their offense overall. We thought their defense would do a little bit better. We'll talk about their defense in a second. But, you know, only putting up seven points in the first half and then not only seven points for the first three quarters. And we've seen this by the Cowboys again, where they kind of put up a lot of points in the fourth quarter to kind of show, hey, we, we did good. But it wasn't really right from the get go here. So once again, this offense here for the Cowboys, which we've been kind of showing question marks with the entire year. That was the thing that killed them, the offense. And even on that final play that everybody is talking about here. Uh, let's talk about it. You know, Dak Pratt Got on that two minute, you know, drive trying to tie up the game and then he goes right up the middle. Um, you know, once again, the offensive side of the ball here. The offense is the big problem here by the Cowboys. Once again, get Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy should be fired because we know this is what's going to happen every single year. We saw it with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers was just so gosh damn elite that he was able to overcome all of that. Dak Prescott is nowhere near the elite status that is Aaron Rodgers. So, of course, he's not going to be able to overcome the bungling that is Mike McCarthy in every circumstance, every instance of coaching coming down to leadership and what you should be coaching. Um, I saw a lot of people bring this up and it, it, it's kind of making sense and I'm kind of agreeing with it. Um, a lot of people are, you know, have been saying today that This Cowboys team has been consistently blaming the refs all season long, and we saw that yesterday. Obviously, the refs, you know, uh, it was truly unfortunate here. A lot of penalties going against the Cowboys, whether you agree or disagree. I don't think I agreed on a lot of them, but it's unfortunate. You know, the refs were heavily penalizing the Cowboys on pre-snap penalties and all that, truly unfortunate. But, you know, Dak Prescott blaming the refs at the uh, Post game press conference and all that. The entire fans of the Cowboys blaming the rest, but that's what fans do, so we can't really knock them that too much. Uh, but overall, the Cowboys were blaming the refs. So that comes from leadership. That comes from the coach allowing you to blame the refs. How many times do we hear head coaches at the podium be like, "It didn't matter what happened that play. We still had the entire game to, you know, fix it, and we, you know, floundered the entire game. It wasn't just those one or two calls by the refs. We have to move off of it. They didn't really play the overall impact of the game. We still should have been better before those calls. That's always the sentiment. We should have been better before those calls. the uh, The game shouldn't have uh, let the game dictate those two calls alone. We should have done something before those calls to get it done. So that's always what the refs say at the podium. Whether they truly believe it or not, that's what they put out there because that's what they have to say. So Mike McCarthy not being the leader, not being good game time manager bungling every big time scenario here we've seen this already in Green Bay so I don't give give a damn that he's only been here one year we know this is what Mike McCarthy is as a head coach fire the dude fire the man Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard in this fantastic defense that makes play after play after play they get burned but they usually kind of get the turnover uh, when they can lock up in the red zone that's kind of the best thing about this Cowboys defense they Lock it up as the game progresses. They'll, they do get burned. You know, these corners, they, they do get burned, but they get burned because they gamble. And usually, for the most part, the gamble pays off because we've seen it happen all year long. Um, and that's something that you can do defensively. You can gamble. And when you got athletes like Dan Quinn has on this Cowboys team, yeah, you gamble way more than probably the normal, the average of a just regular defensive team. So, yes, they get beat, but overall, their ball hawks all over the field so yeah I would I would cheat I would kind of gamble I would press when I probably shouldn't and all that uh, so I don't really mind all the corners getting beat uh, I know that's a big story and a big narrative on Twitter and social media but Mike McCarthy must be fired right now folks because we're just going to keep seeing this again and again and again and again and again, and again until uh, Dak Prescott's at Big Ben's age and can't move anymore and you know it's ruining the team because he can't throw the ball more than one yard down the field so the the here's the um here's the final play. Obviously both sides have some points to be made overall. So here we go. Dak Prescott down 7 points right here. Down 6 points. I mean, touchdown Field Goal wins the game. Damn. They only lost by 6. Damn. I was thinking 7 points. I don't know why. So yeah, the touchdown Field Goal wins the game for the Cowboys. How crazy would that have been? Yeah, down 23 to 17. That's only six points. Okay, so down six points here 13 seconds left here. No timeouts obviously Designed quarterback draw. Maybe I don't even know what the final play was But that's seeming like it was Dak Prescott taking off with it gets down to the 25 yard line with nine seconds left nine seconds left for everybody to get up to the line and spike the ball seems like plenty of time But we get this folks see how far these refs were back. This is with nine seconds left folks. We get it right here Prescott down. We've stopped the tape with Dak Prescott down. There is nine seconds left for the refs to get up to the line. Why are the refs this far back? So, first of all, a potential blunder by Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy. They, If, if the play truly was a designed quarterback draw... Then somebody needs to alert the refs. Hey, this is the play we're gonna be doing, so you need to keep up with us because we need to spike this ball immediately, and we need you to be there to spot the ball. And coaches talk to the refs all the time. Hey, this is gonna be a fake, so watch out for this. Uh, you know, watch out for this. Make sure we're doing everything right. You know, don't throw anything that you think. You know, don't throw a flag because you think something's happening. No, we're letting you know. Hey, we're gonna fake this, so watch out for this, so you don't kind of you know miss it or throw a flag or something like that. So the refs know what. To look for, to know what to call, and to know what they should be kind of, you know, keyly focusing in on. They talk about that. You know, fake punts, fake plays, all of that. Hey, ref, you know, this is what we're running. So it's not out of the realm that Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy, or whoever called this play, kind of talks to the side judge, be like, hey, make sure the ref's on this because we're going to be spiking this ball. And the ref should have been, you know, with this play regardless because there is, you know, only 16 seconds left, 10 seconds left, and you need to spike this ball regardless. But here we go with 9 seconds left. This man is 25 Five yards out. This man needs to run 25 yards to go in, place the ball, and you've only got nine seconds. So let's uh, go along with the film and count how many seconds tick off this clock before the refs even get there. So here you go. We got nine seconds, eight seconds, seven, six, five four seconds. It takes this man five full seconds from nine seconds to full se- four seconds just to get to where the ball is. And then we got the whole thing with Dak Prescott giving the ball to the lineman, not seeking out the ref, all that. That's on Dak Prescott. Some of it's on the refs. Some of it's on whoever called this play, not talking to the refs. And then it's on Dak Prescott, once again, giving the ball to the lineman. So here we go. The ball's down with three seconds, but the refs got to spot it. He moves it back a tad. Now there's two seconds. Dak Prescott. Now can finally pick up the ball. The ball can be finally snapped with only one second left here. And, uh, you know, you're not going to spike it with one second. Dak Prescott takes a snap with one second. So it is an official snap here. But they spike it. So you could have ran a play, but he spikes it. And that's the end of the game here. So... Um I think the refs followed the rules, but overall, the refs should have been on the ball way quicker. Um, Once again, just a blunder job. Time management's been the story for Mike McCarthy all year long. It's always been that. That's always been the narrative around Mike McCarthy, and yet Jerry Jones still hired him anyway. So you must fire him. You must admit you made the mistake, and we have heard Jerry Jones be a lot more open this season. Remember, in the offseason, when OTAs just started to really open up here, um, it was like the first episode of Hard Knocks, Jerry Jones press conference saying like, hey, I'm all in, and if I have to kind of, you know, admit that I'm wrong or admit that I don't know everything so we can win a ring, I'll do whatever I do got it damn well do to win that ring because that's the only thing that matters. So will he be able to kind of look himself in the mirror, say I made the mistake and get rid of Mike McCarthy this season and then the other thing that I'm hearing is that Kellen Moore should be the head coach. I don't know if I love that. I don't really know if I love Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator. I've never really liked him. I get kind of the a little of a, uh, the appeal of him but I don't know if I trust Kellen Moore uh, 100%. I don't know if I like him as the offense coordinator and then you upgrade him to the head coach and all that but it's Anything's better than Mike McCarthy. So, yeah, sure, hire Kellen Moore as the head coach there. So, just a lot of craziness here. Uh, Cowboys offense, lackluster right out of the gate. Only seven points for the first three quarters. We've seen this by the Cowboys. It's always been concerning, and it showed up in the playoffs. So, this Cowboys offense is obviously question marks all around it. Him, CeeDee Lamb, all that. He went to Amari Cooper for the one lone touchdown. ...or uh, the one-alone touchdown pass, uh, I believe, right? Uh, we have a rushing touchdown by Dak Prescott, right? Um, so, overall, man, our our worries were granted. Our worries were justified throughout the offseason. That was not nonsense that we, were, that we were spewing. And here we are, Cowboys offense losing them the game. Yes, the Cowboys defense, you know, gave up a couple of points... ...but still, at the end of the day, it's only 23 points given up. That's pretty kind of average-ish. So, you got to be able to outscore that in the Cowboys offense... Did not so here we go. Let's start breaking down some stats. Let's start here with the Cowboys. Dak Prescott goes 23 of 43 for 53% completion percentage. Nothing good there. 254 yards on 23 completions. Decent. One touchdown, one pick. Unfortunate the pick came from in the third quarter. Throws an interception. Leads to a touchdown there because the uh, 49ers only have to go 26 yards for the touchdown. So that's seven points right there. Unfortunate. That's kind of the game. Unfortunate Dak Prescott being on clutch. Ezekiel Elliott couldn't really get anything going. 12 rushes for only 31 yards. Dak Prescott took off four times for 27 yards. He scored a touchdown. And then Tony Pollard, four rushes for 14 yards. Alright, who is Zach Prescott slinging the ball to? We had Dalton Schultz, tight end, and shout out to Dalton Schultz. We told y'all, we've said this multiple times, Dalton Schultz is a huge key piece of this offense, and a huge great tight end. Shout out to Tight End University. Dalton Schultz, leading receiver for the Cowboys, seven catches for 89 yards. Amari Cooper, six catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Glad that, uh, glad that Amari Cooper got a touchdown here. He just gets so far under the radar because they, you know, he usually gets locked up because he's the number one. CeeDee Lamb usually gets the way more targets and all that, but they went flip-flop here. Amari Cooper, 10. Targets where C.D. Lamb only had five, so even the Cowboys were like, "Yeah, Dak and C.D. Lamb—they're just not getting it, you know, going here this regular season. Let's focus on Amari Cooper." Um, unfortunately, that didn't lead to a win either. So once again, ugh, it's it's bigger. It's bigger than just these players here. Once again, looking towards Mike McCarthy, fire that man right now. Then we had Sed Wilson, uh, third leading receiver, five catches, 62 yards. He's He made some big catches in this game. Shout out to him. Uh, C.D. Lamb, one catch for only 21 yards. C.J. Goodwin, uh, one catch, 16 yards. And then Tony Pollard, two catches for 12 yards. Zach Prescott fumbled once, Sed Wilson fumbled once, but did not lose any. All righty, and then the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. Did he look good? He looked okay, but kind of got shut out a little bit in the second half. Um... Jimmy Garoppolo didn't score the touchdown in the second half, but, uh, you know, it's not, uh, you know, that's kind of what uh, a lot of people are saying on Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not getting it done in the second half of these playoff games. We saw that in the Super Bowl. We saw that in this game, almost lost this game. But, uh, you know, Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy's incompetence there at calling time worthy plays and all that obviously we know his track record so uh, Jimmy Garoppolo folks that's going to be something that we truly look at you know his clutch ability here in the playoffs and so far I'm kind of agreeing with what y'all are saying that this man is a little bit lackluster in the playoffs and if you're good in the regular season getting it done in the regular season we saw him win the game single handedly last week against the Rams to get in the playoffs and then he comes up big time short in the playoffs I kind of get what y'all are saying a little bit Uh, but we'll you know let the rest of the play play out before we truly get on this man and talk about this man's future. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo goes 16 of 25 yesterday. We get 64%, pretty solid there. 172 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. His interception came in the fourth quarter, almost threw a second interception or fumbled the ball. Um, so that could have been another turnover in the fourth quarter as well. That truly could have led to the collapse of Jimmy Garoppolo. And if the 49ers lost this game, I mean, they would have truly moved off of Jimmy Garoppolo 100%, no second thought. And I don't think I could have disagreed with y'all at that point. Uh, so Jimmy Garoppolo, not the greatest game. Uh, the running game was fantastic. Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries for 96 yards in a touchdown. Debo Samuel, utilizing him in the run game, 10 rushes for 72 yards in a touchdown. Who was Jimmy Garoppolo slinging the ball to? We had Brandon Ayuk 5 catches, 66 yards. Debo Samuel, 3 catches, 38 yards. Juwan Jennings, 3 catches, 29 yards. George Kittle, 1 catch, 18 yards. How crazy is that? George Kittle, you know? Uh, their big tight end, big face of the franchise. Travis Benjamin, 1 catch, 17 yards. And then Kyle Youthcheck 2 catches for 15 yards. Is that right? Kyle Yuzchek only had 2 catches? I thought that man was all over the field, and he had no rushing yards either. That's interesting. Uh, all right, so Kyle Youthcheck 2 catches, 15 yards. Alright, but the 49ers get the big ol' win here, 23-17. to And then after the game, folks, and this is the biggest bad thing. Yes, the Cowboys lost, but this is even worse than the Cowboys losing. The Nickelodeon MVP. We saw last season given to Mitch Strabisky in the playoff game when they lost. And who did they vote as the MVP for this game? 49ers at... Uh, At Cowboys, it was the Nickelodeon playoff game. They give the MVP, and they have done regular season MVP awards. Uh, But, you know, the playoff, that's the big time. That's the really only MVP award that counts. Mitch Trubisky got it last year in the loss, and now Dak Prescott has the MVP. That is not good. Good, folks, okay? Dak Prescott is going to be having a miserable offseason in the media. According to us as well, we're going to be going a little bit hard on Dak Prescott. We clowned Mitch Trubisky for getting the MVP, folks. We're going to be clowning Dak Prescott here so and then you know CBS Sports they tweeted out the torch has been passed you know saying that some MVP is some glorious big time award it's Nickelodeon's cash cow right now in um, NFL maybe kind of partnering with them oh legalized betting oh let's get you know the kids involved with football so they can bet yeah okay if you want to go that deep with it mm, okay uh, but uh, CBS Sports saying the torch has been passed and showing Mr. Trubisky hand off the MVP to Dak Prescott this is the most Alarming thing. I can forgive the playoff loss. I can forgive Mike McCarthy being real big time bad, but I can't forgive an MVP being on a Cowboys team for a Cowboys player. This is bad. this is bad. This is embarrassing. So, Dag Prescott, the new MVP. Yikes! And I also kind of like um like who's voting on this? Because every time I'm on Twitter, everyone's like, oh, let's all vote for like a loser, <laughs> one of the losing uh, players for the MVP. So I doubt the kids are voting for. For the losing team to be the MVP I think Debo Samuel had like I think they showed like 7% of the vote like he should have been the MVP um, if if that's supposed to be a good award but uh, it seems like uh, uh, the, the trolls have gotten to hold of the voting here for the MVP and are just vo- <laughs> voting on the losing quarterbacks which is a pretty funny tradition I can't lie but uh, it's just unfortunate it got kind of infiltrated a little bit it's still funny and I like it regardless but Dak Prescott the MVP so the Cowboys lose the game, 23 to 17, and then the last game of the night the one that you know had me you know a little concerned but not too much. Uh 0-0 in the first quarter and then the TJ Watt gets a defensive touchdown to start the scoring and now the Steelers are up 7-0 and I was thinking to myself if I have to watch this Steelers offense for another week I am going to absolutely lose it. But thank goodness the Chiefs kicked it kicked it into high gear after that, ripped off 42 points, 142 to 21. Big Ben finally out of the league. 29 completions for 215 yards. We know that's wink and wonk. Classic. Najee Harris couldn't do anything. 12 rushes for 29 yards. Patrick Mahomes got off to a little bit of a slow start, but ended up getting it going here. 30 of 39. 404 yards. Five touchdowns. Getting it done. Travis Kelsey stunting. Throwing a touchdown. Uh, We had Travis Kelsey 108 yards. Touchdown. Receiving. Passing. All that. Fantastic. So, the Steelers are trash. We knew this. This shouldn't have been the late game. This shouldn't have been the 4 o'clock game on Saturday. I don't know why they made this the finale. Cowboys 49ers should have been the finale, but whatever. Um, so, forty uh, Chiefs get the win. We don't need to break down this game any further because we will not be giving the Steelers offense any more time of our season here. We've got too much time to talk about. We are not wasting it on the Steelers offense. We're glad that Big Ben retired. Yes, yeah, great story, great history. He's got a great legacy, uh, Hall of Famer, all that. But it's been two years too late for this man. So, thank goodness he's out of the league here and now the Steelers start. Start their quarterback hunt and the Chiefs, folks, their their inability to get going right from the get-go at home against the Steelers team. That's why we feel so confident 100% in the Bills and not the Chiefs or the Chiefs kind of giving them any trouble. We got uh, Chiefs at our Bills at Chiefs coming up. Um, you know, next week, um, that's going to be a great game. It's unfortunate that that's not the AFC Championship game uh, because both of those teams truly deserve to be in them, but uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, made the better team win, and I think that's going to be the Bills. So uh, we'll talk about playoffs a little bit more as we get, uh, you know, through the week. Um, alrighty, uh, we're not going to have a lot of time to break down the game tonight, but let's quickly see what the line is officially at at the current moment here, um, and then we're out of here. So it is at Cardinals plus three and a half, Rams minus three and a half. What have we learned this week? week the better quarterback wins the better quarterback wins uh, so who's better Kyler Murray or Matthew Stafford? seeing what the home teams have done I think we're going to still stick with our Rams minus the points pick um, uh, just seeing the home teams quarterbacks ball out like they did and kind of blow out the road teams now 49ers Cowboys was close and that's probably what this game's going to kind of come down to but I think it's going to be reversed where the Rams are good and the Cardinals get out to the slow Start and have to play catch up and resulting in a Rams winning by six to seven points like the 49ers did. So we'll take the Rams minus three and a half. And I think the overall game, like the 49ers, is going to be flip flopped for the Cardinals, Rams, and the Rams win tonight. So we are still sticking with our Rams minus three and a half pick. Alrighty, folks, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, breaking down the last game in Super Wildcard Weekend, re-walking through the playoff picture. Now that, you know, we are one step closer to the playoffs, we'll walk through and see who we believe the champions will be. And we will do the NBA and any stories that we need to talk about, uh, we will talk about. So. That's what we've got tomorrow, folks. Live around noon Eastern because it is a Tuesday, but we will be here, folks. So we are out of here. Have a great one. And uh, let's uh, see how Super Wildcard Weekend finishes off tonight. Cardinals at Rams at uh, around 8 o'clock. So it's going to be a great one. Alrighty, folks. Have a great one. It's going to be a great one. Have a great one. Great one, great one, great one. Great one. Alrighty, folks. Have a great one.